The Ringer's Dave Hill takes you on a journey into the underground lives and careers of six professional gamblers. This eight-part podcast is a unique look into the gambling world that you don't want to miss. Check out Gamblers on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Smucker's Uncrustables. I love a food hack. Check out Uncrustables, the best part of the sandwich. It's a round, crimped sandwich made with soft, pillowy bread filled with peanut butter and jelly. The best part is you simply freeze and thaw them, pop them straight from the freezer into a lunchbox for less work on a busy morning. You'll find Smucker's Uncrustables in the freezer aisle. Learn more at Uncrustables.com. Hey, everyone. This is Isaac Lee, producer of this show. Uh, Before we get into the podcast, I do need to apologize very quickly. And I cannot believe the day has come when I have to do this. But I have to apologize for my audio because I forgot to record myself on this podcast. And it's a little bit Dave's... You know what? It's a lot of bit Dave's fault because he came in, as you'll hear in a minute, he came in bursting in, said, we just got to start and threw me off balance and I did not record myself. What you'll hear instead is going to be my mic going through the Zoom and I try to clean it up as best as possible. It's going to sound all right, but it was quite amusing that I've, you know, if you're a frequent listener of the show, you know that I've popped in here every time we've had uh, technical difficulties and uh, I'm doing it for myself and I have become the hypocrite here. So um, regardless, please enjoy this installment of My Opinion is Fact. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, blah, 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 blah. Listen, I, I showed up late because I had to take care of um, a potty mess because potty training is so fucking hard. I'm, I'm just I'm losing this battle. Some days are good. Some days are not good. Well, it's crazy that you waited 40 years to potty train yourself, Dave. It's just so crazy. Listen, there was a stretch in college that I didn't know how to potty tra- I was like, I lost all potty training. Um, anyway. Oftentimes on a podcast, this is where I think the truly great podcasters and interviewers are able to get to a point where whoever you're talking to, it's so relaxed. That is just all the good stuff happens before you press record and after you press record. And this is the most loquacious Isaac and Ying have ever been about the food in Portland. That's what I'm guessing that you guys were talking about. (laughs) And I'm like, this is the most important information you could be giving about <laughs> where to eat and what to eat in Portland. We've already talked about this before. And guess what? Ying didn't say shit. Now he's saying all this stuff. <laughs> now, can you just regurgitate everything you're saying for the people that live in Portland, the people that like Portland, that are planning to visit Portland? It's true. It's true. I didn't, shame, I didn't chime in. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> it's true. Dave walked in on us having a conversation. It was, it was, it was. He got caught red-handed. Dave walked in as Isaac and I were talking about restaurants in Portland. 
And it was like, we, he just like flung open the bedroom door. I was like, what is going on in here right now with you two? <laughs> and it's true. I was saying, Isaac was telling me exactly where he lives. He lives uh, on Division Street in Southeast Portland, near the space formerly known as Pock Pock, which, man, RIP, huge RIP for, for Pock Pock. And it dawned on me that he and I had not really talked about some of the places that I like in Portland. And the first place I told him was Matt's Barbecue, which is a truck up on the northeast side. Is that right, Isaac? Uh, I think so. I've only ordered from there. I've never actually been there. But he's doing very killer Texas-style barbecue and partnered with, uh, I forget the restaurant group, to open a restaurant called Eam. Have you heard about this place, Chang? Eam. It's like Thai food using all of that barbecued meat. So like a white curry with like barbecue burnt mm-hmm. ends and, you know, masman curry with smoked lamb shoulder. It's it's barbecue meat all wrapped into, you know, Thai dishes. And it's the same people who have like long bon and hot yai and padi in, 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 in Portland. Oh, yeah. I've had padi. Right. That was all your recommendations to Isaac? No, then the best recommendation was when I was I was actually feeling very ashamed that I had not brought this up to Isaac before, but I think one of the best Vietnamese noodle soup shops in the country is in Portland. And Dave, you have to have been here. Han VL and Rose VL, where they just have two noodle soups they offer every day. That's it. The same ones on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And it's just a rotation of fucking deliciousness you can go any day of the week and be super happy and that's where i was and that's when dave walked in and everyone is better for it and shame on you for trying to hide (laughs) knowledge this podcast is about sharing knowledge a beacon of light in a world of darkness and terror and false information and how dare you deprive our audience of deliciousness and truth and love shame on both of you if i may interrupt really quickly I think that the dynamics on this podcast is that this is a Dave Chang show. And as such, you are the alpha of this conversation. In name only. I'm Hefe, I'm Hefe Donata. I'm the chef of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares no. what the title is? But when we talk about things, like we usually turn to you for the advice. You, we usually I turn to nothing. you for your expertise. I literally know nothing. <laughs> Everything I know is based on a true story. What yeah, day is yeah. today? What day of the week is today? Tuesday, is Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, shit. They're not open. Tomorrow. Oh, my God. Tomorrow you should go and get peppery pork ball noodle soup. Ooh. And also, hu tu boko, like a Vietnamese beef stew soup. Oh, my God, Isaac. Mm-hmm. You got to mm-hmm. go. Okay. okay. And then the best, the people, I think people's favorite is the Vietnamese turmeric yellow noodles. Oh, my God. I'm so jealous. Oh. I'm so jealous of this. I'm so jealous. Last night, Dave and I were talking about kebabs in LA and just oh, I'm dying. I'm dying now. I've just been eating garbage ever since I talked to you, Dave. See, I've been Chris Ying so is this wealth of knowledge of food but on this podcast, because he's he's trying to take a back seat, he doesn't get to always share this. So you have to coax it out of him, Dave. It's your fault, really. It's not a, no, We're turning not the not tables coaxing. on you. It's Listen, your fault. It, it, it really <laughs> isn't if you guys have a moral compass that is pointed <laughs> The negative Moral direction. Compass. I I actually I don't believe I you know that here's the, you know, the you, truth. As I say, like you, you can't teach someone how to be a good person. Right? <laughs> oh my god. We're talking morality now. <laughs> it's true. Here, here, here the truth about this is as I started talking to Isaac about the places, I was like, huh, Dave would really want me to record this. I should probably record <laughs> this as I'm talking to Isaac. And then he walked in. So. And more importantly, it's clear that the both of you have a white hot heat for small 
independent mom and pop restaurants where you don't want to support them. You want to just like <laughs> share all the deliciousness on your own. You don't oh want anybody God. to find out at these restaurants. You don't want anybody to like have a long yeah. queue so you can enjoy the bounty of food. You guys are the very, very worst there. It's true. The as, soon as, we, as soon as we hit record, I'm like, Isaac, have you heard of Panera Bread? It's just one of the most wonderful <laughs> restaurants in all of Portland. You know, I found this little place called McDonald's. <laughs> it's a little Irish pub. McDonald's. 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 But, you know, you know, what's interesting is how come Portland has such a strong, delicious Southeast Asian food presence. More concentrated it's than, I, with the exception of maybe Los Angeles and um, specifically the Orange County area where Chris grew up as an Orange County Republican. <laughs> and maybe with the exception of, say, Minnesota that has like, like a pretty deep Vietnamese population. Mm-hmm. Houston. Uh, Houston. Uh, how can I? Uh, shame, shame, shame mm-hmm. on me, Dave Chang. <laughs> wow. We were bringing out the shame bells quite a bit, uh, I quite am, a bit I, today. I, I, am, I am sorry. It was like, who's the best player in uh, NBA? And I said, uh, you know, Clyde Drexler. I was like, what? What did I just do? I'm so, so you know, sorry. Besides Hakeem Olajuwon yeah. and Michael yeah. Jordan, like Charles Barkley. The best of the, the Twin Towers was Ralph Sampson. Not a Kim I'm like, what, what did I just do? I'm so sorry, Houston. Shame on me. Shame no, on but me. Portland, Portland does have a very robust Southeast Asian cuisine, at least. Um, I don't know about population, but maybe population. Probably they're correlated. It's very good, man. We've talked about Nong's, Javiel's, so good. All those Thai restaurants are very, very good. And they're like, man, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't you know why Portland. Portland has it. Um, you know, before we get into the my opinion is fact, I think it's good to talk about this stuff, this healthy dialogue. Chris and I are going deep into kebabs. We will talk more about that, but it's shocking to me that it's not more of a presence, I think, for LA when people talk about LA. And again, I, I'm a recently living here, but you talk about K-Town, people talk about the SGV, but I don't know if there's a concentration of kebabs anywhere else in America and and the differences of it. I think a lot of Iranian, a lot of Armenian and Turkish, and I want to find out more of the the different regions that contribute to the, you know, the kebab, the world of kebabs. But um, in East Los Angeles, where you live, Dave, there's a lot of Mediterranean and then Middle Eastern population. Um, well, we talked about that on on Ugly Delicious season two. It's like Mediterranean yeah. is just effectively whitewashed mm-hmm. <laughs> marketing term, and yeah, there is a, a massive population of of people from Iran and Armenia, and the food here is I've never really eaten it at this sort of frequency, and mm-hmm. I, I I'm excited to go deep into this and. and and sort of help celebrate it. And that's even in New York, you didn't? I feel like New York is pretty known for. I think it's different. It's a different, it's different. thing. It's different. It's like shawarma is not kebab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. But I love, I mean, the, the, the bigger point, Dave, is like, man, every time I feel like a little down about American food culture, like the, the pockets of goodness in America is like a pretty unique phenomenon. I know you have it in, in Canada and you've had it in Australia. And like, I mean, basically in English speaking parts, like the, the good stuff has to happen in little pockets. But like, we've got some very good fucking pockets, whether it's Houston, 
Portland, you know, New Orleans East, Westminster, California, like Southeast Asian food, like all of this stuff, like pockets of, you know, Lebanese food in Dearborn, Michigan and things like that. Man, like these are the fucking places. They're so good. And then the, like, I, I want food to be more like integrated and, and and for people to like to have options all across the board. But like it's still so awesome when you go to a place like Houston. And what's the big street there, Chang? Is it Bel Air Boulevard? Bell? Yeah. The huge stretch with all of the restaurants. Like it's so good, man. Um, I can't remember the name, but ever since I, I was in Istanbul and I went to this kebab place where it was like a yakitori shop or where you sit down at the counter and they just form ala minute kebabs and baked bread ala minute and the heat is just searing it's so fucking hot because like you're right there in front of the, the charcoal grill I really think it was the best eating experience of my life the chef Mehmet took me there and it's like his favorite restaurant and I'm going to butcher the name but a father and son making the food. Uh, I, I just, when that's when I had this, then everything sort of clicked for me because I was like, oh, this is, this is cuisine that everyone in the world could understand and relate to. And what mm-hmm. I genuinely love most about the food of Istanbul in that region is it's the original OG, one of the original fusion foods, Right. <laughs> A mixture of East and West in what was then the most metropolitan, cosmopolitan city in the world. Right. And you could just see how all of it spread. And I just, when I had that, I was like, this is something that I want to know more about. Not just that restaurant, but the the cuisine of that region. Because it's it's just like the same thing when I had my first bowl of ramen or my first bowl of jajimin or whatever. It was like, holy shit, this is potentially transcendent stuff. And I've never had anything like it here in America. And the name of the restaurant is Zubayir Okabasi. And I, I just butcher the name. Zubayir. We should talk to Mehmet about it. But that's when I was like, oh, wow. I have scratched the surface. I know nothing. And that's when I wanted to make a concerted effort of learning more and finding it. And while it's not necessarily exactly what is in Los Angeles, it's a very different thing. But this is why I love about food. I can go deeper into this, try to learn more about it. I'm not trying to talk about it until I learn more about it and talk to people that are sort of more experts in the field. But the fact that LA has this, and it's funny enough being in Los Angeles now for a while and visiting it for so many years and living here before, <laughs> I forget about that, that like, I feel like Tejo Real of the New York Times, the LA California critic, just wrote an article today about how California bagels are better than New York City bagels. And the yeah. funny thing is, I feel like she's beating me to posting a lot of this stuff because I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not a food journalist. I'm not like sharing this with the world. I try to because I want to like help elevate a lot of these things. But I'm like, God damn it, Tejo. Like she's <laughs> writing about things that I want to talk about. I've been blown away by the excellence of bagels. And I've had Curiosity bagels a couple times and they're Montreal style bagels. And I dare say Montreal style bagels in Montreal were the best bagels I've ever had better than New York city bagels. And people in New York get really pissed. And here's the thing. There are amazing bagels in New York city too. It's so funny and it's so easy to troll people. And I love doing that as well. But clearly (laughs) when that, I didn't even read the article and I knew that it was going to just go viral and start this culture war. Maybe I know something a little bit about that by talking shit about, you know, <laughs> figs and stuff. But mm-hmm. that was a, a younger, 
version, but I think I was trying to say something more productive. And also it's Twitter. You know? uh, yeah. Oh but um, the bagels here are great. The pizza here is great. Not all of it. And I just don't know. Like, what do you think about this, Chris? Is, is, it, is it even fruitful to say one is better than the other? Well, it, it's fruitful in terms of driving traffic to your article, like you said, like it's, it's the headline of that article was like, sorry, New York, <laughs> like best bagels are in California. It's fruitful in that sense. I think, man, competition is good. Like these, like if California bagels are going to push things in New York, like that's great. I think it's fruitful to discuss across the country. What is the best? I think the article mentioned that there was a good place in San Francisco. Have you been to there? Daily Driver, I think, is is there. Uh, I gotta, I gotta explore. I, my friend, it's so funny you brought this up, man, because my my bagel loving friend texted me immediately last night. I was like, "What the fuck is this? Where oh, there's bagels around here or something?" And uh, we got into a whole conversation about it. I gotta do a little digging, but here's here's the one thing I think. Tell me if I'm wrong about this, Dave. Whether or not the bagels in California reach the quality of bagels in New York, and I'm sure. New Yorkers be like, you can't do it without the water. You can't do it without whatever, whatever, whatever. I still think that places on the West Coast or outside of New York have not cracked getting the whole picture right. Like you can have good bagels, but then you can like fuck up the appetizing part. Like it's hard to find. Can you talk about appetizing? Because I think a lot of people don't even know what that means. So appetizing is the catch-all term for the Ashkenazi Jewish cuisine that has all the stuff that goes with bagels, basically, right? So it's your smoked fish and your white fish salad, your cream cheese spreads, your pickles. And then usually I think, you know, if you go to Russ and Daughters or something, it's also got all your kind of candies and nuts and fruits and things like that. And then you can also, you know, you've also got your bialis and your rye and, and all of that stuff. Like that's that's appetizing. And you know, Dave, give me more nuance to it if I'm wrong. But like, what I'm saying is sometimes you go to a good bagel shop. I am 1%, like, oh. according to the DNA test, I am 1% Ashkenazi Jew. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm so, so happy. I, I, I'm, I'm like beyond overjoyed with that wait, information. Wait, wait, wait. Did you have, was it 99% like Korean and then 1% No, nah, it's, like, it's like 90% Korean, Chinese, some oh, other, you know, Sunday Delight so they give purple you that, stuff. I didn't. I didn't take it because I thought they wouldn't get that kind of resolution, but you got like broken ah, down into... It was like nine generations ago. Listen, I got another one coming up to double check it all and I want to see, but it was like nine generations ago. So I'm excited. <laughs> I was so like, listen, when my when I found out, I was like, yes, <laughs> this is the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, that is really funny. I, oh man, I just, I'm I'm just sad to spend the money on my DNA test so it can be like, you're 100% Chinese, dude. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else in there, bro. 100% inbred. Uh, yep. Jeez. Um, God. Uh, what? Uh, but you, am I wrong? Like, Dave, it's, it's hard to find a place outside of New York where you can get a great bagel and really great smoked yeah. fish and all well, the listen, shit Well, listen, there's together. so much to talk about here. I, listen, if you live in New York, there are things you cannot fuck with. You cannot fuck with the... Uh, Bodega bacon, egg, and cheese. I don't care how nice you make it. There's certain things that are what it is, right? It, it's not about being the best. It's about certain nostalgia things. It's like a, a dirty water hot dog is mm. never going to change, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with crappy pretzels with yellow mustard, even though I don't eat it. It's like, that is what makes New York, New York. And I'm totally encouraging where there's places that serve better hot dogs and better pretzels, but we shouldn't lose the fact that these are these authentic, iconic things. 
right? I love diversity. But not when everyone's trying to make, you know, we can't lose the past necessarily. And this gets me to this weird point. It's like, I love H&H bagels. I love Russ and Daughters, you know, Zabar's, but Essa Bagel is amazing. I love that place. And I don't think people having a, a six-hour-old bagel or so would think like, this is the best bagel of my life. But having a fresh bagel with cream cheese and lox is never going to be bad. And it's oftentimes amazing. Like, there's so many good bagels in New York. And I don't know if it gets lost in, it's got to be the best of the best. But like, a lot of places have commoditized what New York bagels taste like. So it's not New York City's fault. It's everyone else's fucking it up for mm-hmm. New York City. And listen, like, I will never not want that kind of bagel. It's a different kind of thing. And it's like the Montreal-style bagel is a little bit more different. And there's Black Seed Bagel, which is a little bit more of a Montreal style in New York. And it's amazing. All I'm saying is, can't we all get along? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're saying. No, I, I, I'm with you. Because you 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 know you just brought up, you know, are there good bagels in San Francisco? And it made me think of two things. One, in Union Square in San Francisco, sometimes you'll see like the dumbest thing in the entire world, which is like a stand trying to sell New York City dirty water hot dogs. And it doesn't make any sense. It's like maybe some tourists got confused and they're like, well, am I in in New York? Like, I guess you're going to capture them. Like, that doesn't make sense when you try to take a very specific contextual thing, the dirty water hot dog cart in New York, and put it somewhere else that it's an invasive species. But that's not to say you shouldn't try to make bagels outside of New York. Like, you should try to make bagels if you, like, are passionate about it, like, of course you should make them wherever. Like, I just that's don't want everything to taste the same, man. That's all. Is, is And like, when I was sent a Zabar's care package of bagels and lox and white fish, I was like, and I miss New York so much. I love mm-hmm. living here, but man, like, that's amazing. And I just hope that not everything starts to taste the same. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I would prefer if we have really a new LA bagel or California bagel that's a little bit different, you know? Like, Chris obviously wants his with sun-dried tomatoes and shit like that. But, like, you know, if that's a California bagel, then so be it. I, I just, I like to see variety and variation and doesn't mean that I won't buy Curiosity bagels because that is that was so goddamn good. But it's also, like, you could think about pastrami. I love Kansas. I love Second Avenue Deli, even though the original location isn't there. I love Cantor's, but Cantor's, to me, my favorite pastrami is Langer's. Mm. I think it's the number 17. Yeah. I think it's the number 17. I think it's the one, like, yeah. So fucking good, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, holy shit. But it's also different. The Langer's pastrami is very different than Katz's. And, you know, when I we, we, we've talked about Little Meg a couple times on this podcast, and she said it best because I was such a dumbass being like, what's the best sushi? We got to get the best. We got to go to the top sushi. And she's like, you know what? There's probably like 50 of them. Yeah. And any given day, one could be the best. Mm -hmm. And it all Mm -hmm. depends on the individual and what they're looking for and the preference. So she's like, basically she inferred like, you're an idiot and you know nothing because you're like, what's the best? If you really Mm -hmm. know, it could be like, Here's the best today. Tomorrow is going to be. I, I mean, Dave, isn't that isn't that just a, such a fucking more exciting way for life to be? Like, if if the best was just the, always the best, once you've done the best, everything else is just the, worse than that. Hmm. Like, isn't the best way to live? Like, oh shit, today's best is this one. 
tomorrow, like this one is the best. Like that means you're always chasing something. There's always the possibility that you're going to reach some new transcendent plane of, of eating and living as opposed to just like, well, I guess I did the best and now everything else will be a disappointment. Well, that's why, that's why I'm just saying like right now, we, we should probably just reconfigure what we're trying to go for like this, the zenith of food, right? I think that is maybe one of the, not necessarily a problem. Like I think people read it, people like it. I like it, like it too, but I don't want someone to say Katz's is not as good as Langer's. I was like, no, Langer's is awesome. Mm-hmm. Katz's is awesome. Mm-hmm. You're going to have people that say Katz's is the best and Langer's is the best. Like that's what is good. And I think that I, without reading it, I'm assuming that's what Teja was doing because, you know, she's one of the best out there and she's highly empathetic. Great. But like in general, it's who's got the best pizza. Like, guess what? LA's got amazing pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. And th- certain things need to be updated. You can't say New York's got the best pizza. It's not like, well, we had Safi Bacall on, right? And he basically said like, at some point when you're winning all the time, it's harder to innovate. And sometimes certain places that become such an iconic monolith, it's hard to innovate. And a lot of the people move out of New York City to open up elsewhere. And that's how innovation happens. And I think that, We've been talking about the PNS type innovation quite a bit, Ying and I, about work. And, you know, I think New York needs to do maybe a little bit more. Esta- I don't know, but that's what I see is sometimes when you're winning so much, it's like, why would I try to change it? Because, like, the cautionary tale is plastic Coke and new Coke. People were fucking pissed, you know? <laughs> um, I remember growing up, Crystal Pepsi. I was like, what? You know, but I love Crystal Pepsi. I thought that was awesome. Lemony. <laughs> Um, and, and, and that's basically it. I don't think you can really distill this into a simple conversation, but I've seen this my entire career. Like I would say over 90% of the ramen shops started to make a tonkotsu broth in America. Over 90%. Overnight. And it's funny. It's like, that is not necessarily the case in Tokyo. It's like four to five years behind. And that kind of trend is actually how slow it used to be with dishes and concepts as it slowly trickled in. And like, you have to go to Japan and realize like, oh yes, there's a lot of tonkotsu shops, but currently, and I haven't been there in like a year and a half, two years. Like I thought, and I could be wrong. My idea, my intuition was like, I think chicken shio ramen with like a garlic oil or like burnt garlic oil or something like that was making a, a bigger push. And it was much more of the lighter broth. And like everything is this dialectic that's constantly changing. And there's this lag time in America. I don't know what's going on necessarily across the country, but I still think everyone wants the EDM low-hanging fruit of tonkotsu. Of course you're going to like it. It's sugary, salty, umami gravy on noodles. (laughs) No one's saying it's not good, but I immediately think about the Jiro line where he's like, of course people don't like Toro. You know, but it's mm-hmm. it's the kami, the lean tuna that t- shows you true connoisseur taste. And I've always been a fan of tonkotsu, but I like the cleaner, lighter bras. And once everyone started celebrating tonkotsu as the best, the best of lists were like tonkotsu, tonkotsu. Everyone started making tonkotsu. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, <laughs> we, we should be making different bras. I'm so glad you're saying this. We should be actually having people being like, you know what? Fuck ramen. Foga is is what we should be making. It doesn't even have to be ramen. You know? It could be, you know what I love, what I really, really, really want to see in this country? People being like, you know what? 
fuck fuga, fuck tonkotsu ramen. It's wonton soup, the OG. <laughs> right? Like wonton men is to me where I'm currently at. Like I've been just crushing bowls of it because that broth is so good. When it's good, it is an art form. Mm-hmm. What I yep. love about really good wonton men is it has this window of it being in its best, best, like most noodle soups, but like it's much more fragile because of the thinness of the noodle and because of the suppleness of the dumpling, you know, the, the shrimp, you know, it can't can't just hang out in there forever and ever and ever. There's a window to eat that. And it's like, you got to have just enough fat. It's all about this nuance. And I'm like, that's really hard to do. It's incredibly hard to do. There's nothing to hide behind in a bowl of one ton soup. It's noodles. And it doesn't mean that tonkotsu is not delicious. It doesn't mean that I don't like, you know, hot and sour soup. I love all that shit. But I just think what I want to do is celebrate as much diversity as possible. Because as a diner, I don't want everyone making the same fucking thing. Right. Yeah. Amen. And I can see right now, oh man, like California's like, I got to make Montreal style bagels. Yeah. They're fucking awesome. (laughs) You know, Schwartz's delicatessen also in Montreal is so goddamn good. I love that place. Walensky's yeah. bologna sandwich is amazing. But when everyone starts making the same thing, it's like, uh, okay, what's next? And that's all. It's like, I almost feel like this has to be a step. And I'm, I want everyone to visit these restaurants that are bagels or whatever the fuck. But am I making any sense? I just, yeah, I just want to absolutely. see more people doing different things. And I think the best of list... While I love, I'll read them just like anybody else. I think it has, it's a double-edged sword. Basically, that's what I'm saying. It's a double-edged sword for sure. And, and you know, I mean, maybe we have not even started our My Opinions Fact, but I, I want to I keep talking about this for a second, Dave, because one of our favorite stories, something we bring up in practically every pitch meeting we ever go into is, you know, whether it's ramen or katong laksa in Southeast Asia, like, a best of list, like people who chase food in Asia, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but even like Little Meg, it's a moving target. It's not like this is the best for 2021 or even the best for March of 2021. It's like this is the best for this 12-hour window. <laughs> this is yeah. today's best thing. And tomorrow, the shop across the street, they saw that we put they that fell down to number two. So they fucking made some changes. And they they bump themselves up. It should be like a sports power rankings, right? Like this week, this place is the best. Or it should be even more than rank. It should be like it can be like sports itself, where you're in direct. Like I'm gonna bring my game yeah, up. and then teams change and evolve and get better and maybe get worse. Like I don't need to be told Bidia tacos is a thing. That's that information is at least two and a half years old. Yeah, <laughs> at least two and a half years old, and. Yeah. I just feel like we're in a different place and different era and I don't know how to sort it out or anything other than maybe just talking about it. But it's like, (laughs) I just think about all these things. Like Cantonese barbecue, for example, is one of the most amazing things. And it's not necessarily barbecue. You know why you're not going to see it proliferate? (laughs) You're not going to see it happen at all these restaurants and all these chefs that never made it before are making it now. You know why? It's fucking impossibly hard to do well. (laughs) <laughs> it is truly, it is truly <laughs> impossible. <laughs> it's it's so, so hard, hard to do well, and I think that should be talked about. It shouldn't be like, what's the best? It's like, you know why you're not seeing this? You should go here because no one's going to make it as good as this guy or this girl or whatever. <laughs> you know what's interesting? I was thinking about that Safi conversation again too, Dave, because he was like, 
what do independent restaurants at this moment in time, what do small mom and pops still have over big machines? And it's actually, this is another actual strength, is the when when you go for consistency, when you're when you're a huge brand, you might have a pretty high ceiling, but there's a ceiling that's set. <laughs> Your food's not gonna be better one day than it is the next day. Mm-hmm. Like this is the thing. It's like it, it's it's an independent restaurant, depending on who's cooking, what mood they're in, what what ingredients they've got that day, what like how right. a, a million different factors. The one ton soup today might be amazing because this guy That's what we need. It was more more detail. Like for example More detail. Sambu Barbecue, I think, has like three locations in the SGV area. And like, you can get in a pretty big argument I've learned about where and which one. And yep. they're like, you got to go to the bigger one. You can't go to the small one. Some people, <laughs> yeah. very few people were like, well, actually, the small one has this one really good at like 11 a.m. You know, the trash is really good here. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's the shit that people want to know about. It doesn't mean that one's better than the other. And they're all the same fucking restaurant. Like Lunasia, for example. A restaurant I've been going to a lot since we came to LA. People like the dim sum, the dim sum. I was like, yeah, the dim sum's good. But here's the thing. I don't want to eat dim sum until I can eat at the fucking restaurant. Mm. Like, that's what mm-hmm. we should be talking about. Like, 100%. no. And they're like, well, you're not supporting the restaurant. I was like, no, 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 no. This is an opportunity to order all the fucking shit you would never order at Lunasia. Mm-hmm. That's delicious. That's not dim sum. And yeah. pe- there's three locations of Lunasia. You know what should be celebrated? The entrepreneurial spirit of the owner, the family. They have a fucking app. It's crazy organized. All of these things. I'm like, why isn't this person getting a James Beard Award? Why isn't this person, this family being talked about more? And I'm like, I don't <laughs> fucking know. And I talk to people about this. And people are like, you cannot go to the Pasadena location. Guess what I do? I'm going to the fucking Pasadena location because you know what? There's certain things that are fucking better. And I've come to the conclusion that certain things are better at different times because the one on Main Street, which again is one of the best eating streets in all of fucking America, I've now concluded and I cannot wait to really go dine in person. I found out that if you order certain times, not a surprise, the food may not be as good because they're mm-hmm. so fucking busy when everybody's well, ordering it. at the same fucking time. <laughs> and you know what I do? It's like, mm, it's a six o'clock, man. Like, so it's like, okay. I'm sure the Cantonese barbecue, the barbecue is going to be really good. I'm sure the roast duck's going to be good because I know that's already cooked off. Mm-hmm. But if I want to get maybe the nuance in a, in a stir-fried vegetable or if I want to get stir-fried rice or whatever, I'm not saying it's not going to be good. The, the probability might be a little bit lower of it being extraordinary. And I've done it with the beef chow mein black pepper sauce, which is like my dish of the year for me. Sometimes it's not as good from the main Alhambra Monterey Park location. And Pasadena, same time I order it because I've ordered enough. And I'm like, wow, it was really better here. Mm-hmm. It's that really detailed, nuanced stuff that I feel like we should be celebrating more of and we should be doing it. I don't think that is journalist's responsibility. I think it's on the diner's responsibility. Yeah, it's on the people because that's 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 for sure. I mean, that thing you're talking about is so funny, Dave, because it's like also a self-negating prophecy where it's like, no, 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 you can't go to the Pasadena one. So then like the Alhambra one becomes really busy. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, the Pasadena one's going to be better because their cooks aren't strapped like to like catch up with like all the demand. It's amazing. And then like, I mean, you're exactly right, Dave, because like this is actually a strength of restaurants is the nuance, the things that this that have not been systematized where you're like, you have this moment too with, with I mean, like in, in Asian families, like you walk up to a place and they're like, oh, that's not the usual chef. Let's go somewhere else. 
that's not the usual like cutting the Chinese barbecue. Like, let's get out of here. Let's go somewhere else. And it's like, wait, what? And it's like, no, 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 no. It's not going to be good. I've seen this guy cut before. I don't want this. Like, that shit is, that seems crazy and impossible to track, but like, that's a strength. <sighs> I have no idea what we just talked about. Um, <laughs> I feel like that was just a verbal diarrhea of, of, of like, I don't know what the fuck. So I no apologize, way, listeners. Man. No way. I think this is the good shit. This is the stuff, man. We love a Dave Chang rant here on uh, the Dave <laughs> Chang show. Your name is on the show. You get to do this every once in a while. Um, let's take a quick break and then let's uh, get into my opinion as fact. This episode is brought to you by Smucker's Uncrustables. I love a food hack. Check out Uncrustables, the best part of the sandwich. It's a round, crimped sandwich made with soft, pillowy bread filled with peanut butter and jelly. The best part is you simply freeze and thaw them, pop them straight from the freezer into a lunchbox for less work on a busy morning. You'll find Smucker's Uncrustables in the freezer aisle. Learn more at Uncrustables.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Look to your left, look to your right. Yep, no one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cashback on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Terms apply. All right, let's get into some overrated, underrated. Breakfast burrito, overrated, underrated. You, you can't overrate a breakfast burrito to me. Maybe that's just because I'm a Southern Californian at heart. I agree, Southern Californians. Can't be over. That's the best. It's the best. Um... I will say what is overrated. There's only one thing, two things actually. This is a, uh, we're talking about nuance. This podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me get into nuance. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, you have to be prepared. What is overrated is like, oh, just eat a breakfast burrito. It's no problem. It's good. No, <laughs> you can get on with your day afterward. You have to really be a little bit more detailed in your question and what time you're eating and what age. Because mm. if you're from yes. age 15 to say 25, maybe I can eat too. Maybe <laughs> uh, I can run, I can go work out right after I eat it. Yeah. Maybe I'm really hungover and this is my hangover routine. Also, the spice level. Because it's so dense, you can actually take it too spicy a lot of times with the breakfast burrito. But that's like mm. a minor point. No such thing. Three. No such thing. Not all breakfast burritos are the same. Of course. And here's the thing. When like a bad burrito is a bad burrito, and I think a bad breakfast burrito, because a lot of times the contents are more, say, traditionally American, when it's not done well, it's Ooh, not okay, good. Okay, okay. Here's, okay, 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 okay. Let's, let me, let me, let me, let me restate here. You can't because say you're, all you're, breakfast you're burritos are the same. Right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I and, cannot And third, eat. let me ask you one more thing. Don't cut me off when I'm in the support. <laughs> this is the most important thing I've ever talked about, man. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> um, 
a breakfast burrito only truly is transcendent if it's got crispy, crispy potatoes in it. Mm. You need the okay. textural contrast. Oh, yeah. It can't be soggy. Which is why I think the best are not hash browns, which work if you get like the Orita hash browns or the McDonald hash browns, blah, 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 chopped in. Super well done. Tater tots. tots. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, I don't want to eat it. And if they don't offer it, what are you selling? <laughs> so where are you on? Well, two things. One, you're absolutely right. I retract my original rash statement. I actually don't like a breakfast burrito that has like bacon or a breakfast sausage in it. I want it to be a, I want it to be like a more Mexican breakfast burrito for sure. And here's my other question, Dave. In lieu of crispy potatoes, where are you on tortilla chips in your breakfast burrito, like Miga style? Well, I'm going to give a shout out to maybe the, I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't won a MacArthur Genius Award yet. (laughs) And this is something I learned via you, but the great Walter Green. And this is maybe, (laughs) write this down, folks. This is the right most genius thing of all this time. This is the most important, <laughs> most baller, most uber, most pro tip you will ever fucking hear from this podcast or <laughs> words uttered from me. And they're not even mine. I mean, they're they're so sacred, right? They're, they're, they, you know, we've been talking about the Eightfold Path. Like, this should be the ninth path towards enlightenment <laughs> in, in Buddhism. When eating a burrito, it's important to either have your boat or paper underneath with your tortilla chips on top of that, and you eat your burrito freeform over your (laughs) chips. Intentionally eating it like a fucking lunatic because you want shit just falling out of your mouth, Mm -hmm. off dripping off your chin, Mm -hmm. because now you have nachos. Breakfast nachos. (laughs) Yes. It's 100% true, man. It's the greatest thing so of ask, all time. So you ask me, how do you, like, how dare you even bring up that question? Sacrilegious. 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 Because Walter yeah. Green, for that sheer thought, right? Like, it's basically like, uh, you know, um, he's like uh, Orson Welles, man. <laughs> he made one film and he's done. He's a Walter Green has done a lot of things, but that one stroke of genius. Mm-hmm. It's like the you know culinary Big Bang. Like everything else sort of stems from that momentary amazing idea. And I'm sharing it with you. I didn't create this. All hail Walter Green. Yep. Genius. Have you ever heard of such a thing, Isaac? Oh, I mean, I do it regularly all the time. See? Oh, so you're, you're part of the green school. I just thought that's the logical <laughs> thing to do. If you have a very like spilly type of food and then you have chips, like why wouldn't you... Well, I, like, I think there's a little bit of the chicken and the egg or thing. Like maybe you didn't actually think about it, but it was in, it was like conceived in your mind. It was in the air by this. <laughs> like Big Bang. When I said Big Bang, it's like literally when it was invented oh, in Walter Green's mind, it changed oh, the fabric of the universe. Yeah, and but I also conceived. grew up eating Korean food, where that's a very common thing to do: is that you'll eat an entree, but then you'll leave some to like eat with some remaining rice or with nurungji or whatever. Like that's you know this isn't. A novel concept at large, but this listen, itself you specifically, are not, no, I think, is brilliant. No, no you no, cannot take credit. Different, you're, very different. Listen, you are trying to be Martin Luther and <laughs> and and create a great schism here, and I will not let this happen. <laughs> I'm not here. trying to create any. No. Schism. I'm just saying it's a logical thing to do. 
Just post the 99 thesis on the fucking church door <laughs> if you believe this. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, let's move on. We haven't been to a buffet. I, I don't think the three of us, any of us have been to a buffet as of late, but when buffets are open and you, we were, you were frequenting buffets, what were your plans of action to attack a buffet? I mean, how much time do we have here? <laughs> <laughs> Not much. So keep it short. No, I, I can talk all, all day about buffet. I have spent a, a lot of, of research uh, how in, about in studying the buffet. Let's do it slightly different because we've actually talked about buffets before. Why don't I tell you my strategy and you critique it, mm, Dave? Because mm, mm, you've watched so many people do. But it. also, just for everyone to know, like uh, you know, a major domo meat and fish. We wanted to open up a Korean barbecue, all you can eat, cooked on Brazilian skewers. I love buffet. In a pre-pandemic, I would have bet, and I did bet that one of the things that would be a giant resurgence were buffets and all you can eat type of things. That clearly is not going to happen for a long time now. But Chris. What is your strategy? I guess when I was a kid, my strategy would be if there's a carving station, I would hit the carving station first for prime rib. But on my way, I'd always get load up on starchy stuff that I could never get enough of. So any sort of mashed potato thing, any sort of cheesy pasta thing that was available to me, I'd probably get a roll <laughs> because they're always just like a giant mountain of them and they look so attractive. And then a bunch of the little packets of butter. That would be my first my first attack would just be to lay down a real base layer of of giant stuff. I'd go back to the carving station again for a second, maybe slightly thinner slice, a couple of pieces of shrimp cocktail if they're available, and I would start to explore a little bit more. And then I would do a, a mid-meal soft serve just to, as a palate cleanser, and then I'd go back. I'd probably no more meat carving stations, but I would hit up... Uh, whatever else was in the in the hot bar, and I would never really hit the cold salad stuff. Was I getting my money's worth, Dave? I mean, I, I feel like I'm watching a baseball player that bats 222, <laughs> eight home runs, couple steals, five RBI. You know, like, utility player. It's good, but you're not, that's no triple crown buffet shit, man. Come on. Come on. Isaac, what's your, what's your strategy? Uh, my strategy is just grab whatever looks good. I just make a Frankenstein's monster on a plate, to be honest. I don't have a plan. <laughs> Who plans? Right, you're, you're, going, you're going for a home run without any batting average, right? Like, you know, <laughs> no, I'm in the stands, man. I'm, I'm in the stands no, man, rooting. You're, 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 no, 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 no. We're talking about if you're a baseball player, you're, you're batting like 160, but you're trying to get like 40 home runs. 160? I'm not getting any at-bats. Are you kidding me? No, you're playing for a, you're playing for a walk. You're just watching whatever pitch comes, yeah. and maybe if it's good, you'll take it. You're playing, you're playing for a yeah. walk. I'm looking how to bunt and then score a, you know, a run all by myself on a bunt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? But no help whatsoever. Anyway, so this is my strategy. First, you got to ask yourself, are you eating with people or are you eating by yourself? I'm eating with people that are, I'm comfortable. I'm eating with my parents. Yeah, usually family. It's a family kind of operation. Okay. Because if you're eating by yourself, there really isn't a strategy if you don't care how people see you, right? Like, do I get a tray to put one plate on? Because a lot of the buffet places don't have trays anymore because that defeats the purpose. So are you ambidextrous? Because you can do the plate and the small plate to really load up, right? The small 
plate that like holds your cup of soup or something mm-hmm. like that, right? So that's one thing. You got to ask yourself, if you're going to load up, you really got to load up, not on one plate, but on one, one small plate, like a, like a Japanese samurai with a long and short sword. You got to go both. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me pause you here because I actually, my strategy is always like, oh, these small plates are for fools. I got to go find the big plate. But you're saying the small plate is the one to load up with. Both. I'm saying one hand, oh. you have a large plate. And then you also have to ask yourself too, the bowl on top, the soup bowl is oftentimes <laughs> like not used properly, right? Oh my God. Because you can line food around the soup bowl mm. and put stuff like- in the soup mm-hmm. bowl. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, I'm just taking you the scenario where you're just eating by yourself. All right. So you got <laughs> to do that, right? You got to figure out how ambidextrous you are. And can you like carry stuff back? Now, if I'm eating with people and I have to show that I'm not a fucking glutton, I'm not the character in seven. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a, I'm a normal, non-sociopathic glutton mm-hmm. that's just like, I got to feed me. I, I, I got to hide that because that's who I am. Sure. I want to eat all the delicious things. So this is the strategy. If you're eating with people, this is a big tip because buffet is going to reopen up and this is how you should hit it. If you're eating with other people, you get your one plate, but you go directly for the Asian aisle. Asian aisles are almost always on the last level of when you do the buffet. It's almost always on the right side or left side. Mm -hmm. So you go there and then you get some egg rolls. You get some fried shrimp or some generous chicken or whatever. You you load up on that. The reason why you do that is because you can now eat that with your hands as you (laughs) go throughout the buffet. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. wait. You're starting your meal... First of all, the, the ambidextrous plate holding, I feel like I just witnessed, I was like, play, I've been playing football, not to mix metaphors here, and somebody for the first time just threw the football to somebody. I just watched the forward pass. The soup invented. bowl is not for soup, guys. <laughs> Second what I'm of all, to say. I've, I've had this moment, but okay. So I've done the thing you're talking about where I'm eating my buffet food as I'm walking that, around I have the buffet. Never done, I have never done that. But you got to be a little careful about that move. Here's why I'll say you got to be a little careful. You got to keep your head on a swivel, Dave, because I've been to buffets with friends where I'm trying to mask some eating by eating it before I get back to the table. But you always risk running into one of your table mates at the buffet, and you got to be careful if you're stuffing a, well, an egg roll. Clear, rolling. clear. Again, I have all our bases covered here. Because usually a lot of there are like Chinese American stuff, unless Vegas stuff has like really amazing Chinese food at the buffets, and. Regardless, they're always going to have like fried stuff or dumplings or shumai or whatever. The thing about this is you cannot have evidence. So a lot of the buffets now have pre-portioned baskets of stuff. That's not stuff mm. that you can get. No, 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 no. Because there's nowhere to put the basket. For example, <laughs> you don't get a basket of French fries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's how they serve it. They don't just give you tong of French fries. If you've been to enough buffets, you'll know that a lot of the foods are already pre-portioned because it's easier to serve. It's easier to fucking portion out. It's blah, blah, blah. It's all of the above, easier to do, and easier for the diner to just pick it up and put it on their plate. Do not fall for that. Because <laughs> you, you cannot eat. Because you have evidence. Yeah. You don't want to yeah. look like somebody that comes back with four empty baskets of something and food. Like, you can't. To be a real eater, you got to hide that shit. So that's <laughs> mm-hmm. why you got to go straight to the Asian. Nobody goes straight to the Asian line. Nobody. You got straight there. Okay? That's how you ditch your friends. They won't they won't see you as you sort of they're camouflage. going to the they're going to the carving station. You're no, they're like, going nah, straight, I'm going over. They're doing straight the shrimp cocktail. 
Everyone goes straight shrimp cocktail. Don't Crab be a legs. sucker. Don't yeah. be a sucker. And not all buffets do it, but almost all of them do it if you go to the right time. So you go straight for the Asian island and you get whatever you can to eat. And some of those things might be a little bit saucy. That's okay. That's okay. Because by the time you get to a place where they might have pasta or rice or something smothered, you hide your evidence. You hide the smear food that's on your plate. So they don't know. They don't know. They have no idea except the person behind the, the, the buffet. I'd be like, dude, I, I know people like you. You sick fuck. I, I, I imagine Dave returning to the table having eaten his fill at the buffet and he just has salad on his plate. He's like, I, I'm not really hungry today, guys. I'm just So scared. the alternative thing is if they don't have an Asian island, sometimes they don't, they almost always have pizza, mm-hmm. right? And an underrated buffet move in the mornings are breakfast pizzas there. They're mm. so good. I love breakfast pizzas. Okay. So you you load up on that. Or if they have quiche, you know, they're, they're always going to be tiny slices. That's an amuse-bouche. You have a little bit of quiche. You have some pizza in the morning because they always have pizza. No crime scene. Nothing. You just eat that and you go back in line. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Another thing to do if you're feeling like good about it, another great food that you can hide from your friends is you go straight to the dessert aisle. You get a small mm-hmm. brownie or you get a small cookie. <laughs> Pop that in your mouth and then do everything you need to do. Okay? You get dessert two times. <laughs> I have to say. Why can't we just be free to be ourselves, man? Why the premise, yeah, the premise of this entire plan is that you're ashamed of the amount of food that you want to eat at a buffet. Oh, I was going to say, though, it's not even just like friends at my table. Like for sure at the buffet, I'm also like. Just in general, you're you're. Self-conscious about ashamed of everybody. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, you, so you it know doesn't exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, That's 100%. why it's a big difference. Eating by yourself versus eating with your friends. It's like I, I've eaten so many meals with him. Guess what? I don't want him to see me fucking stuff my face the way I want to. You know, buffet is called eating till you're unhappy. That's what it translates to. Oh man, I okay, miss a fucking buffet. So the other thing uh, is like. They always have like from some fried chicken nuggets. Those things are always served in baskets. So mm-hmm. that's the stuff you get in a basket because you cannot like eat that individually. You have to save room for that. So that's part of your thing. And the meat slicing. I think it's key to ask, I want the end piece. End piece. Oh, that was, what I, that was, that was my move as a kid. The end piece is the one. End piece. And don't fill up on the starches and the carbs till the very end. Don't. I'm not saying you don't eat it, but wait. Wait till the very, very end so you can satiate yourself being like, oh, I want some potatoes or I want some mac and cheese. Don't be a sucker. Don't go over the mac and cheese first. Mm-hmm. They want you can to you do talk that. About, can you talk about that end piece, though? Because I, I think that most people are like, no, that's not cool, man. You got to get medium rare. You got to get a rare piece of meat. But can you talk about the magic of the end piece? Well, the reason why I, <laughs> you want to do this is they're not seasoning it enough. And a lot of the middle pieces, because of the churn in this restaurant... More often than not, the, the reason why I'm liking it is not for the moisture. It's, it's the only truly flavorful piece are like the first third into a cut, the first third into a, a ham, leg of lamb, whatever, is the first chunk. And that's why. The middle piece, it looks good. No flavor. No flavor. That's why. No flavor. No flavor. And it's not like they have salt. You can't fucking season that shit with the itonized salt on your table. That's This is out of the question. And again, when I say it's like, they want you to fill up on the fucking hush puppies. They want you to fill up on the mac and cheese. That's why the mac and cheese is always dead center. 
and like know, shining lights. Me. Don't don't go for that shit. Time. Don't go for that shit. You wait. I'm not saying don't eat it. Wait. Put that shit at the end. <laughs> all right. Last question. I mean, I, I could seriously talk about this with you all day. When I talk about buffets, man, I spent a lot of time in Vegas. I did a lot of homework on this shit. All right. You can only eat at a buffet, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. What is rank them for me? Breakfast. Breakfast buffet is the one to do. You cannot hear, man. It, and I'm talking about buffets in the Las Vegas area. You cannot do buffet with your friends at night. That's just not cool, man. You know, like, <laughs> unless you're going to, like, a restaurant, like a Brazilian steakhouse type of thing, you can't be like, yo, let's all meet up and let's gorge ourselves on a buffet. <laughs> and then we're going to go out. Yeah, you can't do that. There's no Two no nights in Vegas, where, baby. Let's hit the buffet tonight. <laughs> There's no Sleep it off. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's just not what you do. I'm not saying don't do it, but also Vegas has amazing restaurants, not just my own. You go there. You go there for dinner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? You you get dressed up and you go out to dinner. I think eating in Las Vegas is unbelievable right now. Yes, go to the Cosmo, visit Momofuku. Yes, definitely go to the Venetian and go to Major Domain Fish. But there's so many good restaurants. Get dressed up and go have a night out. That's why. Buffet is for... Man, I feel really bad. I feel really bad about what, how hungover I am. Uh, and, and the only reason why lunch would be even considerable is if you're waiting for your friend to wake up mm. because they're not waking up. And you're like, meet me in the buffet. Yeah, meet yeah. me at the buffet. And it's like, oh, I guess we'll just go there at like one o'clock. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's another, thing about, another thing about buffets in general is there are seasonless and you don't know if it's night or day. Right. <laughs> Just don't do it for dinner, man. You're like, unless you're with your family, unless you're like, I'm going to go to Las Vegas so I can watch pay-per-view and I can watch the newest films that I can't get on <laughs> demand. And I'm going to just sit in my hotel room and and that's call it a night. And uh, I got nothing else to do. Okay. Do you think this was the longest, the longest yeah. conversation so sorry, about buffet in history? I'm trying to wrap this up because I have an 1130. But. No, I'm sorry. I have to ask two more questions. Do I fuck with the omelet bar? Or no? That's for suckers, man. <laughs> I'm a bar is for suckers. Uh-huh. Simply because a lot of those eggs are pre-batched. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of those eggs are not, are from like containers or even frozen. Right. And that's not an omelet, man. That's a well-done egg. Fried yeah, egg. With like and four like, pieces of bell pepper. and a I just, I don't understand it. And, and no offense, that's like an American omelet. Like, I don't know what a fucking, I don't want a Denver omelet, whatever the fuck that is. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like, again, you waste valuable eating time waiting in line. Right. For, it's always a fucking line. And guess what? There's eggs galore everywhere else. Everywhere they got else. scrambled eggs. They got fucking coddled eggs. They got fucking sop, whatever. Yeah. Why do you need a fucking omelet? <laughs> All right. My last question. I'm so sorry, Isaac. Supercomputer. The other iconic eating experience in Vegas to me, I mean, uh, in old Vegas, new Vegas, like you said, Dave, has tons and tons of actually like very legitimate and, del- and amazing eating experiences. But from when I was a kid, it was buffets and then like the uh, medieval times Knights of Excalibur <laughs> dinner theater thing. Is that you, you're as a lover of dumb shit and dumb ideas. Is there a world where like the entertainment dinner theater, whether it's jousting or fucking tigers, comes back where the food part of that becomes better? Well, again, pre-pandemic, that's what I was really betting on. Not necessarily 
jousting and gi- eating a giant turkey leg with your, you know, without, <laughs> you know, silverware. Like, ah, you know, um, I believe with all my heart on this, that Las Vegas will go back to dinner and a show. We've come full circle. And the last innovation in Las Vegas dining were the, the nightclub restaurants. And those aren't going anywhere. That's but, like Tao and stuff like that. Is that the, the yeah, Hakkasan okay. and all those spots. Um, and what's really amazing is how much food those guys pump out. Honestly, at a pretty high level, it's shocking. I don't understand those operations. And I think actually Noah Teppenberg and his group at Tao don't get enough credit for actually their, their operations in general. Um, I think that like everything we're talking about on this podcast, everything comes full circle. I think dinner on a show is how Vegas started, and that's going to effectively be the next thing hmm. and making dinner an experiential type of thing. I'm not sure exactly. I have a lot of ideas, but it may not happen right now. But I think over time, and it won't just happen in Las Vegas, I think as a whole, the kind of dining that people are going to want to really go to and are going to covet in your sort of more urban areas are going to be the places that you can't get into and it doesn't mean that it's a show, but the service, the whole thing might be so different and over the top. Okay. And that is like the show itself is just like sort of being there. But also, I think they're going to have things that are more traditional dinner and a show where something is happening, an act, musical act, whatever. I don't know. I wasn't old enough, but I'm excited to explore what that looks like. Mm. I think that's really cool, Shang. Maybe it was over Christmas time or something, watching some like Bing Crosby movies and like dinner theater, dinner and a show was such a thing. And I was like, wait, why the fuck do I not get to go drink martinis while people are singing and dancing or fighting or whatever? And then I order, like, this seems fucking awesome, yeah. actually. I mean, th- so, there have been places, clearly, in Las Vegas that have explored with that concept of a merging dinner and a show. And I think that's just going to continue. You're going to see that happen over time. And I'm, I, for one, am beyond excited because I'm really a song and dance man myself. And I, I can... <laughs> Really transition out of being a chef into doing what I've you always into, wanted to do. You got into cooking because you thought it was a path into dancing. <laughs> you said that with such a straight face. I don't know why you're laughing. I think he's serious. I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. It's true. I, I apologize, Dave. I, I know that's your that's your true. Dream. All right. All right. All right. Um, we are way over time. Um, I have a meeting to run to. I'm sure you guys have better things to do with your lives. So let's actually finish instead of doing um, our, our usual question. Let's actually finish by shouting out some of our five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Chris, do you have that up? Not enough no. five stars. Pick it up, uh, pick it up, everybody. <laughs> we keep on promising that we're going to come up with a better system than me just, just randomly, just randomly say, this just list. say, randomly say these these names here. Okay, Forbes girl. I'm not the target audience, but this is dot dot dot. I'm a black woman from the south side of Atlanta, and I love Dave. Hey, wow. keep it coming. I'm so encouraged. Thank you to the team. I'm reading this backwards now. Uh, the 2021 interviews in particular have helped me to continue my embrace my humanity and shortcomings as a leader while celebrating the things that have created my niche. Uh, thank you, Forbes Thank girl, you, Forbes Girl. Much. By the way, I don't think there is such a thing as a target audience for this podcast. I think anyone who listens is our target audience. We love all of you. That's true. That's true. Vanessa, uh, love it. Five stars. I love food and the general talks about being Asian American. Art house cleaner, love the pod. I also enjoy all of the silly pro interactions. Eat the rage. Great work. Thank you for the five Eat stars. Eat the is, is she eating herself? I'm not sure. It's a self-cannibalization <laughs> sure. proposition? 
S Lions 27, five stars. Thank you. N1111234. I'm so sorry that your parents named you that, but I really appreciate your five stars here. <laughs> um, there's there's one from Jilly who says it's a great listen. And she says, or he says, or whatever gender, Chris Ying, keep laughing. So keep laughing, Chris Ying. <laughs> I'll see what I I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. Um all right, that's a uh, wait. Do we got a, we got a one star? Should we read our one star review? No, here? no, don't fuck that. No, don't give them the <laughs> satisfaction of reading their review. All right, fair enough. Um, all right, Chang, take us out of here. Apologies for the most random ranting conversation <laughs> we've had in a long time. <laughs> I feel very much like the principal and Billy Madison. I think you guys are all dumber for having listened to it, and I apologize. <laughs> I have no idea what we talked about and I don't know if the world is a better place because of what we just said but fingers hopefully crossed hopefully it's a net positive give us five stars yeah give us five stars five stars a lot of people trying to give us six stars here keep trying keep trying figure out a way this episode is brought to you by Lululemon guys if you're ready for a new pair of pants try one of Lululemon's ABC pants they're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.